Hello and welcome to three and two, episode eight. We are a match play, not the match play, a match play. <laughs> Age of the Sigma podcast. Play. The match play podcast. Name um, another one. No. Why why would I send people away? Okay, that's true, actually. Don't move on. My name's Rich. Tonight I'm joined by Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Hello. And as always, also joined by Laura. Hi, Laura. Hello. How are we both? Excited. Looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. Unwrapping all those models. <laughs> Fairly I'm sure I've got it. some because a parcel that had Warhammer written on it arrived for my partner the other day. So, you know. <laughs> Maybe she's just getting back into it after 20 years. <laughs> Maybe. That is always possible. Without telling you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, without telling you or asking for any advice. It would be a nice surprise. I'd love her to get back into it. Yeah. yeah. What a Christmas morning that would be. Some people come home to like table laid out with candles and a beautiful dinner. And one one day you're just going to come home from work to like a 2,000 point match play game of Age of Sigmar laid out. That'd be so good. A witch fate tour with a candle in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> we have played Blackstone Fortress together, so I'm bl- What are we here to talk about? I suppose we oh, should yeah. say something that people might be expecting us to talk about, but we're not going to yet, is that there has literally just today been a new General's Handbook announced. We've had a grand total of one article about it from GW, so mm. probably not some incredibly well-formed takes yet. We'll save that for next episode. But it looks like it's hero focused, which is cool. So Yeah. But still in Galais. Are we calling it Galais? Gallet. I think it's gotta Gallet. be Gallet. Ooh, it's controversial that. I feel like you can pronounce it's... it however you want to pronounce it, right? It's <laughs> there's it's no not, official. It's not really. Jez Bickham said Gallet on a video, so Oof. that's my that's my why my flag's in that camp. <laughs> yes, it probably doesn't matter, really. No one's going, oh, had a really good game at that tournament against that person, but they pronounced Galet wrong. So I did say Galet at one point, the last event I went to, and someone did say, isn't it Galet? So that actually it did come up. Yeah, you were in, you were in the southwest, though. I was in fucking Bristol, Rich. What did you say back? I don't know how I respond to that. I don't know. I think I, I think I agreed with them, as I generally think it probably would be Galay. But that's this is one of those like, oh, don't have a disagreement with your opponent. <laughs> yeah, look, there were actual physical prizes, so you know you gotta you gotta keep in the good books for. <laughs> I discovered today that when I write. Battle line. My phone auto corrects it to battle line in capital letters. So I feel like, you know, <laughs> my phone knows more than I do. <laughs> oh, so is that just from. I don't know what it's from. Lists over it's Discord, really, maybe. It must be, I guess. Yeah. It, I, I thought maybe I'd accidentally hit the caps button, but no, my phone just thinks battle line must be capitalized at all times. <laughs> nice. I mean, there's not many other situations in life where you're writing the words battle line, one word. No, but so, if it, if I want to write it because I'm talking about Age of Sigma strats and it suddenly appears all in caps, it looks a little weird. 
Very, very important in your communication to use capitalization and bolding in the same way that the rules do. Just so it's abundantly clear. Just everyone thinks you're screaming the word battle line with excitement every time you say battle line. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking about keyword Savage Oruk, not the unit (laughs) Savage Oruks. I don't think that works anymore. It's bone splitters, isn't it? Yeah. Terrible. What does that work for? I think there's, I think there's an annoying Skaven keyword versus uh, mm. War Scroll name thing that still exists. But. I think like Stormcast <clears throat> Annihilators, where you've got one unit called Annihilators and one called Annihilators with meteoric grand hammers. Nice. You then like sometimes have the head scratching moment of does that mean any Annihilators or just mm. the normal ones? Well, I think whether it exists for Magmadoth because there are several different types of Magmadoth, but I don't know if it's a keyword. So maybe. Mm. This is the kind of cutting insight that people come to expect from us. <laughs> Just sort of head scratching around the microphone. <laughs> getting uh, getting ready to talk about how the Ghoul King keyword worked like an entire edition ago. Yeah. It's, it's a point of interest. <laughs> <laughs> how many different Ghoul Kings there are and why you can buy none of them. <laughs> My God. I love it. Oh, that model is right. really nice, the new one. Yes. That's that. a cool new, cool new AOS release. Yeah, I might buy that. I, I'm sort of on a. I think my New Year's resolution is just going to be like no new models for a while. Paint through some stuff. Mm-hmm. But if that guy is going to be limited, then I might make an exception for that because buy him before New Year, can't you? Then it wouldn't count. That might work actually. Yeah, there you go. Loophole. Take that. I did nice. briefly find myself yesterday thinking like oh well but i'll get paid so i could go and buy like a few things then i was like but the whole point of setting that as a resolution is that i already have loads of stuff yeah and you could spend that money on your gas bill instead yeah i mean i don't have gas luckily but i do have all electric radiators that are you know bankrupting me so yeah, yeah. like one month's worth of fuel instead <laughs> Uh, Right, let's talk about Warhammer some more. What hobby have people done recently, if any? Laura, start with you. I'm not sure when we last recorded, but I have probably since then painted some Chaos Warriors because I was trying to finish off all of my old school Chaos Warriors before I started painting any exciting new Slaves to Darkness stuff. So I painted, I think, probably 10 old Chaos Warriors and then I have now jumped into the new Slaves to Darkness box and I have painted five Chaos Chosen as of this morning. So I've got five more to do, which are my going to be my rest of my sort of Christmas hobby project. Now, yeah. if Twitter's told me anything, when you say you've got five more Chosen to do, does that mean 25 more Chosen to do? <laughs> Not yet. Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> 480 points for 10 or something. How many do you think you're going to fit in? <laughs> I don't know. I've just I've just seen a lot of people tweeting out pictures of hordes of Chosen and mm. moaning about trim. I so. might have got the points wrong. They're definitely... I think they are very good, but mm. I don't know. I think 10's where I'm going to stop for now, because I think that is about a quarter of your army. And from people my extremely like... limited experience playing with them, mm. they hit very hard, but they do die quite easily. Okay. Yeah, they uh, they do seem pretty good, the old chosen. Yeah, cool, cool models as well. Great glow up. Yeah, uh, they do have a lot. They're a bit 
looking at them alongside the rest of my army is a bit weird because they're so much more blingy because I've done all the trim in gold. So they've chosen a super bling and then all the Chaos Warriors have just got tiny little bits of gold occasionally. So, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah. But I think the Chaos Warriors are actually better painted, so I kind of need to find a way to hide the Chosen at the back despite them being extreme <laughs> bling. Is there a way of like leaving them off the table and then teleporting them in to kill something and then die? Not that I have yet found, but also I have barely read the rules because I'm focusing on painting the army. And once I've actually got the army, I will then <laughs> figure out what it actually does. Most of my knowledge of the rules at the moment is because I played a game against a Slaves of Darkness army on TTS. So yeah. I tried to take some <clears throat> tips. Yeah. You said you were thinking of taking it to Warhammer World in the new year. Yeah, so I'm going to an Age of Sigmar tournament at Warhammer World in February. So I think once I've painted the Chosen and a Demon Prince, I should be, I won't necessarily be a sort of optimal competitive army, but it would be a playable competitive army. <laughs> so going to hopefully make that my sort of first proper outing with it, assuming That's I can cool. get everything painted. I mean, Warhammer World, you're kind of there for the vibe as much as else, right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, I guess first time playing an army in a tournament you never well i don't know i never have very high expectations there's probably people out there who are good enough at the game that they can just jump in and immediately be very good with something new but yeah yeah i would just yeah it's you know it's more about just once i've got a nice shiny new army i'm going to want to play it so it'd be good to get it on the table i feel like as like a huge dumbass i take this a different army to every tournament i go to like a completely different army <laughs> Zero consistency. Why train and get good? Yeah, why? Just put your now. toys on the table. You think? If that's more, if that's how you're having fun. That's all right. Really, like I don't feel any of us are going to tournaments with a real expectation of winning them. So it's probably more important to take the army you're going to have fun with. Did not name yeah. the podcast five and zero. Oh. <laughs> that is the curse, and I should have done that. Ah, you think it would have worked? It's spoilers <laughs> for the event report that's coming up. I should, I should have summoned it. I should have just manifested <laughs> it. Yeah. Just believe in yourself and it'll come true. <laughs> I have faith. I have faith. How about you, Matthew? Have you been up to any hobby recently other um, than the aforementioned event that we'll talk about in a bit? Painted Lotan for that event. Not very well, but I don't Super love the model, so I'm just going to leave it as he is. I feel like that's controversial. Lotan's my favourite Deepkin model. Yeah. A lot of people do love him, and I get why. He's got an octopus bro. Very funny. Don't know. He's a bit... He doesn't fit with the rest of the range for me. He's a bit too too much of a comedy model. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. There's not a lot of humour in the Odeneth range, really, is there? <laughs> no. Beyond, they've all got loads of little fish. Like, that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. They're all really horrible. <laughs> they are horrible fish, yeah. Not the yeah. fish, the elves. The fish are probably fine. But all elves yeah. are horrible. Well, that yeah. is true. But we deep kind of mean to their pets, which puts them quite yes, near the top of are. the list of horrible elves, I feel. They are, yeah. They're not very nice in general. That's why we like them. Gotta love them. Yeah. So apart yeah, from yes. Lotan, I've spray coated some blood knights. That's about it. Nice. They've been sat there taunting me for a few weeks, to be honest. Been... Is that the, the next project? 
some soul blight stuff. And unless I get wildly distracted, which is every every possibility that has happened because soul blight was supposed to be happening a long time ago, given that I got that box in the last Christmas deal. So jealous. So jealous. <laughs> it was such a good box. Yeah. It's such a good box. One of the most like, coherent Christmas boxes they've ever done as well. Are you going to slap chop them or? A little column A, a little column B. It's kind of a frustrating project because I did have a reasonable Legions of the Gash army, which got chopped up a fair bit. So there's a bit, there's a lot of the Nighthaunt models in there, which are obviously now Nighthaunt. There's a lot of, well, not a lot of, I had some more Ghast in there, which obviously are now OBR, and I do not have an OBR army, so their reason to exist is nil, but there they are on my shelf. And I've got some skeletons and some of the big heroes painted so like two vampire lords on zombie dragons and nefrata and stuff so they're all painted but they're painted like four years ago it's the kind of crap <laughs> compared to what i could do now uh, not as bad as my flesh eaters are like my flesh flesh eaters that's going to be a repaint project at one point i'm just going to do it i got a big pot of the goop and they're going to go in the they're going to go in the magic cum and they're going to come out clean as a whistle Please. and get painted again. Please. <laughs> call it the magic cum. But with, with Grave Lords, I just don't know. I've painted some of the new stuff. So I've painted the big Bengorian Lord. And I've painted some of the new zombies. And the zombies are just pure contrasted. And they look fine because who, honestly, who cares? So we like yeah. 60 of them on the table, right? The Veng Lord are kind of trads painted with a bit of underpainting. He looks good. I quite like him. He sort of matches my old stuff. So we'll see. It's a very roundabout way of saying I don't know what I'm doing with the army. (laughs) I guess once you've painted the new stuff, if you then wanted to repaint any of the old stuff, you could, right? But as long as it's all based the same, you should stick it on a table together. Anyway. It almost certainly will. And it's, I, I think the difference will just be in the quality of it. And that will be what annoys me. Because I don't necessarily need my armies to look amazing. Not all of them do. Like my Skaven are fully rubbish. So they're just like pure contrast. But I think for me on the table, what I want is a consistent look at the army. And it being kind of wildly varying will will aggravate me. But it is what it is, I guess, to learn to live with it. Yeah. I'm going to have that with Fire Slayers when I get round to playing Magma Dwarfs because some of the Magma Dwarfs are much better painted than others. My mm. second Magma Dwarf is by far my worst painted one. <laughs> yeah, well, it looks like all the Dwarfs is the is the build, right? Yeah, I will at some point play that next year, but also I need to play <laughs> The Slaves of Darkness and then I need to finish and play my Core yeah. Boys. So we'll get to Dwarfs at some point. Yeah, so many projects. Well, all nearly, the painting projects are all nearly finished. That's the problem. I'm going to have more armies than I have time to learn how to play with. Yeah. That's the event horizon I'm in at the moment. It's like, how many of these am I yeah. going to get a game in with? Yeah. You're going to be, have to become one of these people that like buys and paints endless streams of minis for like D&D, Laura, just so that you can build up like a toolbox of skeletons and gnolls and adventurers. Because otherwise, yeah, <laughs> you're producing armies at a quicker rate than you can yeah. play with them. Might do a Necromunda project or something for a bit. 
I have. Yeah. I remember you saying to me a couple of weeks ago, maybe I'll do a new Fire Slayers army. <laughs> so, I'm still it's contemplating it's, repainting all my Fire Slayers. This is not, it's not a horrible idea. I mean, you're in the same place as I am with Feck, right? Where it's, I could do this so much better now. Yeah, they were my first army, and they're not—they're not awful. Like I don't—they don't make me sad when I look at them. But all my—I just think because they were the first one, like my second army, I'm still really happy with, and it would be fine. But I definitely look at the first layers and think, yeah, like some of my color choices and the mm-hmm. lack of highlights—I could just do it so much better now. Have you ever considered doing like a like a slow project where you try really hard, like? Go super detailed on all the highlights and yeah. I mean, to, I mean, to some extent, the slaves of darkness are that. I, yeah. I don't know. I think I would have to be a lot better at painting to be able to paint stuff that, in such a way that it took longer. If you like, like the slaves of darkness are probably about the best I can paint at the moment. I would say, like, not necessarily every single model, but I've really put effort into the army, and yeah. I think the way I would need to improve would be to learn other ways of painting that put more emphasis on sort of blending and glazing and stuff like that. And I just don't have the skills to do that. I don't know. I think the skills you've got are good and your stuff does look good. Your stuff starting to do look really good. Your gargums look really good, to be honest. I think you're really good at like picking a theme and nailing that as well, which I'm horrible at. Yeah, I struggle with that. Yeah. No, I mean, I am really happy with my stuff. I don't mean to make it sound like I'm not, but I think if I was going to, if I wanted to sort of move away from army painting in the way I tend to do it at the moment, it would be a case of investing time in learning to be a better painter, if you like. And yeah. that is maybe something I would quite like to do next year in terms of like getting into a few of the Patreons of the people who are very good at painting and starting to sort of actively invest time in learning to paint better rather than using my painting time to produce output, I guess. I've done, it, I've done a very little bit of that. So I very briefly subscribe to Richard Gray and for the most part what I learned from that is useless to me because <laughs> it's, it's too it's too high like what he's doing obviously is too high level and he walks you through he's very good at explaining how he gets there but it's not necessarily useful for like beyond mm-hmm. what he's trying to do but some of the stuff was really useful so like every red cloak I do now is his red cloak recipe for Catacross which is like nice. pretty foolproof Always comes out looking good. I like some of his like one hour Space mm. Marine videos because I think they're how to get sort of like a Richard Gray look, but with a lot of shortcuts rather than like I don't I don't mean to be dismissive of the technique, but to an extent I know that a lot of what any of these Patreons are gonna tell me is do a lot of glazing because that is how you get really, really nice smooth transitions. Mm. And I think everyone has their own way of explaining it, and I definitely think there's a lot of benefit I could have from like learning that properly. But I think... also, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> don't want yeah. to glaze really much at all. No, having done a lot of it on the gash, not that into doing it again. Too slow. I would say that if you're looking at like, if you wanted to have a go at like blending and stuff, two BB is actually extremely easy. Oh, I love it. I do it on capes quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Super easy and quick, unlike glazing, which is the slowest thing in the world. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can do it to some degree, but I think I, I feel it's a thing I could be better at. Yeah, then metallic yes. metals is the other thing. Like the definitely just... the worst bit of my slaves to darkness is the metallics. So either 
like learning to do better at true metallics mm. or learning NMM, I think is, yeah. I don't know. I'm actually, I'm, you know, I'm going to take that back to some extent. I think like the gold trim on my slaves are done. So I'm mm-hmm. really pleased with my recipe for that just works really well, but painting metallic swords and like axe blades and stuff in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't look shit. I could do with being better at. Yeah, making weapons interesting is, I think, quite an investment in time. Even if you are just doing the metallic, you can. Yeah. yeah. Can I have a hot take? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever seen an NMM army that did not look just super uncanny valley to me. Yeah. They I would want to do a whole army in the sense of you know, there's yeah. no way I have the patience to do like Stormcast or something, mm-hmm. but to be able to do like weapons on my heroes in such a way that they look really cool i would Mm -hmm. probably invest some time yeah i've always been more of a fan of like tmm that isn't painted with a metal and wash it it's like start with a sort of dull metal and and build up the brightness and shadows and like glazing Mm. i said i didn't want to do glazing but like glazing matte or satin non-metallic paints into the shadows of metallic weapons and stuff can be really effective. But yeah, definitely. Even that is a huge labour investment. Maybe this is why I like painting like rusty stuff so much. Because that I've got a handle on that. But yeah. So. I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, if you're trying to produce stuff that's good, is working within what you're already good at and what you already know. You don't have to yeah. be pushing in bold new directions necessarily. Yeah, like for for an army project, I think the level I currently paint at, I'm broadly fine with. Like, you know, you're always yeah. going to get a little bit better at things and try slightly new things. But yeah, I guess it is the point of when do I, how many Age of Sigma armies is too many? And I think once I finish a two I'm working on at the moment, I'll have eight or nine if you count a thousand points of Stormcast. And that is possibly the point when I don't really need another one super soon. That's when they <laughs> drop a new Dwarden army. Yeah. Well, I mean, when that happens, I'm just going to buy it and paint it. Obviously, so we'll see. <laughs> but they might. So I might. That number might go down because they might squat some of my city to sigma stuff. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. We can only hope. Gosh. <laughs> wow. Rude. <laughs> anyway, we've now spent like nearly half an hour of this match play Age of Sigma podcast talking about painting. Which, what hobby have you done? Nice and quick for me. I have done. Hardly any AOS hobby recently. I think the last thing I finished was one singular little nurgly cultist guy from Warcry, who was the mini of the month. I do still intend to get some of those to add to my Magikin. He was the last thing I finished, though, I think, with AOS. But I have been painting, I'll show you on the camera, but there's not a lot to see, my recent Secret Santa Oh, gift yeah. from a secret Santa that some of us are part of, which was a very nicely converted Harbinger of Decay for Magikin, which is it's made from like a Chaos Knight with some Nurgly bits, and whoever's made it has put like a Blight King on the back of that with a weapon that I think is from the Blight, the Puscoil Blight Lords, and it's very Nurgly, nice, nice conversion. So That's... I'm painting that at the moment, quite excited to do that, and. Uh, the other sort of vaguely AOS hobby adjacent thing I did recently was that I finally bought the Ogremore Tribes book. <laughs> so I am thinking it's a good of. Book. Yeah, and I'm thinking of. It's a good book that I don't own the right stuff from, from a competitive I don't, point I don't, of view. But... I, don't, I don't know that that's true. I think. No. I think there's lots of game. People have just latched onto Underguts as a, yeah. like a conversation point because. Mm. 
people love a people love shooting armies that shoot way too much, and b people love to complain about them as well. Yeah. So that's obviously been a talking point. But things like the gluttons and the iron guts and stuff all see all seem pretty good. I've, yeah. I've flicked through it. I haven't yeah. read it properly yet. Um, so I'm quite excited. I'm sort of toying with the idea of doing something with that army because I sort of there's bits of the army that I've spent loads of time on, like all mm-hmm. the metals. Like I did like Darren Latham's weathering tutorial where like the orange weathering is like four steps of paint and then there's some like blue corrosion on there as well, which is the same. I'm really, really happy with that. And but I think the thing I ended up rushing for events was like the free-handed tattoos and the skin and stuff, which obviously has a lot of skin. Um, yeah. So Fond I need to memories do... of watching you paint them on the dining table of our oh yeah. Airbnb. So I need to do some rebasing anyway because the original Beast Claw stuff I have is based slightly differently to the like more gutbuster stuff that I have. So I was thinking maybe even just pulling them all off their bases and coming up with a new basing scheme that's a bit more complementary to the army as a whole and during that maybe even just hitting the skin with like a final highlight. I've got like four different skin tones in the army so I could do it in batches quite easily as well. Mm. So I think I might do that and then there is plenty I could add to that army but realistically I have I know, like two and a half or three thousand points, I think. So I don't yeah. need to add anything to have a bit of list building yeah. fun with them. Yeah. It just... does feel like there's a reasonable chance that Iron Blasters will get a bit of a nerf at some point anyway, just because they seem yeah. a little bit over the top, maybe. I mean, so. I don't own maybe. any of them, so I could buy one. I own yeah, six okay. sled belchers, I think, which is yeah. a useless number it's now. It's quite a cool model, isn't it, the Iron Blaster? I like yeah. it. It's a very, it's cool. very yeah. cool cannon, and it's, it's nice, like scrappy wooden frame with lots of random bits of metal bolted yeah. to it so it's it looks like fun to paint but like massively speed painted here as well <laughs> yeah so maybe i'll do that i'll be able to buy some cheap ones soon i think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. second hand market i don't uh. know i think maybe they won't change it we'll have to see yeah <laughs> I can see them getting, I don't know, or just like a points change that just sort of tips it so there's better stuff elsewhere in the army. Yeah, all you have to do is make other other trouble builds in the army for sure. So, what are they at the moment? I don't have any AOS scheduled at the moment, but I think that's the thing I'd like to do next is like play a game with them. So. (laughs) I have to arrange something. I do have a local AOS community. I just don't always want to ask in like the the broad group because you, you want the right person to say yes <laughs> to the offer of a game. Yeah. Oh, I hope they don't listen to this. Does anyone who is not an asshole want to play Warhammer with me? You'd hope that would be self-selecting, but <laughs> I think I'm going to be getting a game in against my mate's Gargants in early January, so maybe I'll take a, some Slaves to Darkness. There. Nice, cool. Yeah. Bellacor, Kragnos, and be annoying. (laughs) This happened to me when I played my Gargants against Bellacor, and it was pretty annoying. So, yeah. (laughs) Revenge. So, what else do we talk about? Do we have any other games that we want to recap quickly, or should we just jump into 
Matthew's event report. Uh, I played a couple on TTS, yeah. but not nothing that was super exciting. I played some cheeky Skaven versus Corn in real life, which was interesting. Interesting game. That was my first game with that Skaven book. That was in not on TTS. But I was mostly seeing if I wanted to take that army to this event. And the answer was no, I don't. (laughs) Why not? What did it do wrong? It didn't do anything wrong. Ah. Did everything fine. But it was about what do I need to get practice in with? Because it's sort of tooling around what's going to potentially be my army for next year. If I go to more compare less events next year, it's like, do I need to practice saying I cast more, more, more power? No. Okay. Let's get the practice in with Deepkin instead. Actually, a hard army to use. Yeah, I mean, Deepkin seemed deeply confusing to me. I'm a Luminar player, so <laughs> I finally gave up on my failed Deepkin experiment recently and passed those Sad on to see. someone. Yeah. I don't know. Sh- oh, sorry. Did you shift on. them in the end? I did, yes. Did. Not, not back into the, the great cesspool of our community. They went, they went on <laughs> Facebook, I think. But yeah. Yeah, they're okay. Someone else got a good deal and gets to make some fish elves. And miraculously, only one bow broke in the post, apparently. So, <laughs> despite them being the world's fiddliest models, it's the plumes that get me. They just, I'm, every time I pick one up, just a plume snap. Every event, I'm super gluing plumes back on. Models. They have them, are they on their belts? Are they? Like on, the, on the back of their, as a deep compare, yes. I should know the names for the. Metal things around in the Marseille's okay. neck. Gorget, right? Isn't it? Uh, metal neck plate. Yeah. It's got a specific Deepkin name. Oh. But I don't remember it. <laughs> Not a medieval name. I don't remember it. And it's on, like, all the eels have them. The turtle has loads of them. They just snap constantly. Very frustrating. This is like the tiny little tassels on Lumineth yeah. models that are, like, all along the edge of Teclis's cape. Hanging off every spear, so I think I've now broken enough off of Teclis's cape that I might trim them all off. But... That's a good plan. So, I think there's no putting it off any longer. Oh no, Matthew, it's time. It's time to give us an event report. So it's, okay. it's your turn to talk for a long time. And oh no, maybe we'll try and ask some insightful questions or do not. It. <laughs> what do we do? Went to the big Bristol brawl, which was five rounds. AOS, much play. They had some weird rulings. So they were using the old Slaves to Darkness book, which I guess semi-controversial. I think it's the right choice. I hate not being able to look at stuff like that. So I guess the only thing you can't look up is the War Scrolls, right? Because with like the rules and stuff, if I'm against an Ogre player, I can't look his rules up anyway in the app. I can only look up his war scrolls. Yeah. Because I haven't yeah, bought Unless you book. own the book, yeah. 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 So, I don't know. I do look up my opponent's war scrolls a lot Okay. when I play, but this might just be me. Generally, I, I think what you do is probably best practice. I'm in the smile and nod and take it. Unless I really <laughs> don't believe them, but then I yeah. tend to ask <laughs> rather than look it up myself. I think it's, it's less about not trusting them than about I don't know. I find it helpful for helping me make decisions on what I'm going to do, just to sort of mm-hmm. because when people are doing their rundown of the army at the start, if it, you know, I guess if you know every army already, it's fine. But I definitely don't. 
and they always go through the complicated rules and synergies, but you never really get the detail of how hard is this going to hit you. Yeah. And that's kind of the bit that I find just having a look and going, all right, has it? How many attacks has it got? Is it what damage is it doing? I find I tend to helpful. tell people the vibe if they don't know. So I'll be like, all right, there's going to be a weird amount of shooting coming out of this shark. <laughs> I can be aware. Most people don't don't do that. You're right. They just go through synergy and stuff. Yeah. But, <clears throat> no, what you do is definitely best practice. To be honest, with me, one, I just hate that old stuff stuck in this book. Two, <laughs> just want to play new content, really. Yes. To me personally. The other semi-controversial ruling they did was no faction grand strats, no faction battle tactics. Oh, interesting. Make of that what you will. I kind of in a weird position in that, in that generally my preference is to play by the book, which would be to include them. But on the other hand, I think faction power tactics and grand strats suck and are bad for the game. So, yeah. you know, whatever. It doesn't, didn't affect me too much because the Deepkin grand strats and battle tactics are so bad. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, they're not the best. Hardly hard to achieve, right? There's You've got a reasonable a grand strat, right? It's okay. It's so much worse than Take What's Theirs that I wouldn't okay. take it anyway. I mean, Take What's Theirs is such an auto in this. Yeah, I guess for Deacon, that's easy. Yeah, okay. Almost for every army, I think, unless you're playing like a very specific castle build. You it's not take great them. for Gargants because you have so few. Yeah, models. that's true. But then I guess. Yeah. Or for OBR because you're really slow and you never go anywhere. So generally yeah, it's probably really good with, if you're not me. Generally, my feeling with Grand Strats is they tend to be quite win more unless. There's some games where it matters a lot. I have won games on Grand Strats, but like single digit games that I've won on Grand Strats. By the way, what's, uh, what's big like as a venue? Because it's one I see talked about a lot and mm. has quite like a big online present. Big the online presence, but I've it's... never actually been. It's a new, so it's in a new place. I hadn't been to the new one. They've moved. Yeah, um, I saw they so were doing some crowdfunding and stuff for the yeah, move. But it's like it used to be ten minutes away from me, and now it's like twenty-five. So Ugh. just on that Ugh. basis alone, <laughs> knocking it down. Yeah, it's pretty good actually. So they do food there now. I think on day one, none of the food they did was veggie. So. I went outside to try and find food, and it was like a wasteland industrial estate of nothing. So eventually, right. I happened, I stumbled across a little, <laughs> and had sort of a weird. Here's what I bought in little lunch. Nice, <laughs> but that aside, yeah, it's nice. It's not huge. It's but they've got like a good selection of stuff in their shop. They had their staff going around in between rounds, offering you drinks. And you didn't have oh, to yeah. pay them up front. You just had a running tab over the weekend. So if you ordered drinks either at the bar or when they came to you, they would just give it to you and you'd pay the tab at the end. Really like that. It's really nice. Yeah. Sort of meant you could keep hydrated without interrupting the flow of the game, which is, I guess, a real thing that actually happens in tournaments. Yes. Yeah. That's really yeah, definitely. Yeah, like that. How many people at the event? Oh, my God. Roughly. Roughly. Doesn't need to be exact. 50-ish. I think oh. it wasn't tiny. It was pretty decent. Nice. decent size. So it, it was run by. Yeah, it was written by a. Written? Run by Sigmar's Pilgrims, which is a Bristol club. I think I've played people from that club. So we uh, definitely have, because we've played them at Brotherhoods. 
Oh, um, cool. Right. They were the old wooden spoon that we then spectacularly lost to. 42 players. There you go. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then, which pretty much filled the venue. I think that's that's basically capacity. They had a couple of spare tables, but you, you wouldn't have got, I think, 50 would be their limit, which is fine. It's a decent size for a single totally local single event. shop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the shop's quite nice. They had lots of stuff there. I didn't buy anything, but I was very tempted by the, sort of their tiny Napoleons. Various things. Well, didn't go full dad. Not yet. Not yet. That, that's been tempting me as well. It's dangerous <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Something about small miniatures is just irresistible. I know. Tell me about it. They're so small. You can paint them so quickly. Brackets ignore this bit. And there's so many of them. <laughs> Have you considered a dwarf farm? Yes, but I want classic dwarves that aren't going to be put in the bin in six months. Basically, I want the exact army that a person we know, Bear, has recently painted, which is like a sixth-ed Warhammer fantasy dwarf army. It's so good, and I would love to just paint that. Basically, that collection of stuff, but... It's not going to happen. <laughs> See what happens with Old World in one to ten years. Seeing, I think, 2023 is the 40th anniversary of Warhammer Fantasy, so there's some speculation that that could be like a big Old World. Oh, wow, look! But I think, I think you're reading too much into that. <laughs> well, I mean, they've gone on and on about this year being the 35th anniversary of 40k, and they've both talked about it a lot, and nothing really significant has happened, so... Yeah, it's good to say it has not happened in 40k. What does that actually achieve, though? No one's going to buy something because it's the 40th anniversary year that they wouldn't have done if it was the 42nd but, anniversary year. I mean, to but, be fair, no one's going to buy the old world anyway, because no one bought Warhammer we'll Fantasy. <laughs> It's capitalism, isn't it? It's, there's, a, every, there's a reason that universe exploded violently. There's an excuse to, you know, there's a thinly veiled excuse to do some marketing. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna slag off the old world so much, and I'm gonna end up actually playing it because of the stupid high elf army I own. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. like, I I am a person who has recently bought into Kings of War in the pursuit. of... <laughs> Only because in the pursuit of buying the worst fancy miniatures you can possibly get. Ah, see, they're not great actually. The new skeletons (laughs) which I bought, I was like, oh, these are so much better than the old ones. And I've now built Mm. ten of them, and I'm like, these suck. There was was a period where the their undead range was way better than the GW undead range because the GW undead range was like. 15 years old, and now the new skeletons and zombies have come out of GVW, and it's like, these are so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. These are, I mean, you know, GW don't make Tomb Kings, and that's definitely what these are riffing on. But they're kind of like characterful in their own way, but they're, yeah, quality wise and like building experience wise, they're nothing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, equally, you're putting 40 of them on one base, so <laughs> it's. Anyway, sorry, this is massively diverging. What list did you take to the. <laughs> I don't know, Tomb Kings? I took, I took for big Eisenhower heads, I took Nautila, which is the Sharks, uh, not the Sharks subfaction, it's the Turtle, turtle. subfaction. Turtle. Battleline Turtle. But crucially, the thing it does is it gives you a monstrous rampage to be rend three, which is quite a big increase over rend one and two on its attacks normally. And yeah. I think if you're taking a Turtle, you have to go Nautila. 
because if you're paying 500 points, you cannot be rend one. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely need it to kill and a few hundred points worth of stuff, right? Like, it's rend one on four attacks, and it's rend yeah. two on two attacks. So you so, really, they have to go through. So it give you more damage as well? Was it? Yeah. No? Okay. No. And it directly competes with, so the turtle has a monstrous rampage on its war scroll to do more mortal wounds with stomps. So it's not perfect. How can a turtle stomp? <laughs> it used What's to just stomping with. It used to just do impact hits when it hit, and now they changed that rule to be a, a change to the stomp monstrous rampage. So, so it includes lore yeah. that means it isn't stomping. I'm okay with that. I mean, it's you're being a big flipper and going bam. You're being charged by a massive bastard turtle. Mm. It makes more sense than beasts of Nurgle doing impact hits, and I will die on that hill. I don't mind the impact hits; <laughs> it's the principle of the stomp. But anyway, I'll stop distracting. <laughs> I mean, if if you want to get into how is this battle happening, everyone is fighting underwater the whole time as well. So, <laughs> ether water, ether water. Yeah, it took that. It's kind of a. I think it's kind of an old way to run the army. This is the sort of army people do when the book first came out. But there's like a few things that maybe not take the more modern interpretations of the book. So one, I don't own that many Namatai. Two, they're not very good in Gallup. Three, the eel build is so bad at battle tactics that <laughs> people ally in two units of tree revs just to do battle tactics, basically. Your eels yeah. go and kill everything, and the tree revs do battle tactics. I don't own ten tree revs, and then there's no universe where I was getting them painted in time for this. So it was sort of okay. I've owned five sharks. I own turtle. It's all painted. I'll paint low tech smash king. So that's your flaming weapon plus two attacks on high tide for every unit he's within three inches of. Friend three damage four when all the buffs go off, and he just goes and like does one billion damage. Or if you're me. Rolls like six ones to wound and does nothing. Perfection. Uh, but theoretically very good. Lotan, who is a model that gives you plus one to wound. So you take one unit of thralls, one unit of reavers for battle line, a Leviadon, and then five sharks. That's the whole number. Which, when you put it on the table, feels small. Feels really small. It's very few units, and it wants to play... The way the turtle works is it has this aura of plus one to save. And it's a big aura because you can... So it's 12 inches normally and there's a there's a upgrade that you can take. I forget what they're called now. There's an enhancement to make it 15 inches, which is big on a big base. But still, you're basically playing that whole army within 15 inches of one model. It's quite costly. Yeah. So it just feels really small on the board. And again, really bad at battle tactics. <laughs> and I travelled with... Friend of the pod, Chris, who took his daughter's cane. I will very quickly go through his games. I'll very quickly go through mine as well, because he had some potentially quite interesting ones, maybe more interesting than mine. But we'll see. <laughs> so he, he took, I don't know his exact, I don't have his exact list in front of me, but he took like, it's not like full Marathi in the Bow Snakes. He has his own, his own twist on it. So he runs Marathi, Iron Scale. Slaughter Queen, unit of, I think, 10 Bow Snakes, 10 Stabby Snakes. He goes the sub-faction where he gets the Battle Line. What's the Warcry unit? The Shadow Stalkers. He gets the Shadow Stalkers and two units of Kinarai. In this format, I think the two units of Kinarai is a bit questionable because you're taking them for that free battle tactic, which he's not allowed to do. So maybe he'd have been better off with other stuff because they're quite expensive for, like, 
five wounds. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's what he went with. I think partly because it's what he had painted. So that was it going in. My expectations were basically nil. I thought the army was awful. <laughs> My army was awful when I went in. No practice game. I think I had one practice game with it into Krill Boys, which is like the perfect storm of what my army wants to fight. Because I can completely ignore their shooting and just shred them with mine. So the, the gimmick of my army is that it's a surprisingly tanky castle with a surprising amount of shooting coming out of it that can also then do a melee counter punch. So if you it stands off for a bit, you come forwards, it then charges you and has two rounds of high tide, which is where I fight first. And hopefully takes you off the table at that point. Doesn't always happen like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's the goal. That's the theory. That was my theory behind it. Yeah, Deep can tend to be played more aggressively than I perhaps did, but we'll we'll get to that anyway. So, round one was head-on collision. Not my favourite battle plan. I hate head-on collision. Yeah. <laughs> it's not... Although, when I look through the list of battle plans in this GHB, I don't look at many of them and think, yeah, I love this. So, you know. I mainly just hate head-on collision because I've played it mainly with Ossiat Bone Reapers who are really bad at it. I'd probably be fine if I'd played it with Gargants who I imagine are quite good at it. (laughs) That's fair enough, yeah. So, this one, we were both drawn into Ogres, but we were both drawn into completely different Ogre lists round one. So Chris got drawn into the Iron Blaster list and I got drawn into Fragnos and Friends. So... The Chris rounds, we can talk about really quickly because he looked at it and thought, this is bad. And it was bad too. (laughs) So he he looked at it thinking it was pretty much an auto loss and just got shot off, basically. Quite quite early doors. Lost. With elf armies, this thing I always say, where like, you have a feeling of how many elves can die and it's okay. And that number is low versus some other armies. Like with Skaven, when I play Skaven, loads of rats can die and it's fine. But with elves, like if I lose one or two units, it's a disaster. And it's kind of the same for Doc in a way. They're kind of built more around trading, but if they're just getting shot off and they're not trading, that's kind of bad. And that's basically what happens. Just blow off the board fairly early. I had a game against Andy Sims. He had Pragnos. He had a Frostlord on Stonehorn. He had some Stonehorn Beast Riders. He had a Butcher. He had two units, two minimum-sized units of the big cats. What are they? Sabertooths. No, they the ones with ogres on the back of them. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, God. Mornfang, Mornfang pack. Mornfang packs, yeah. Two, two Mornfang packs. I think that's basically it. That's all you get in that army. And the army is pretty much Pragnos and the Frostlord run at you. <laughs> Yeah. It sounds uh, fun. Yeah, in Boulder Head, so they're they're tanky and the Frostlord's got their minus one to be wounded artifact and all that good stuff. Uh, presumably Kragnos means they get bigger charges and thus do more impact hits. Is that yes. idea? Yeah. yeah. 3d6 charge. So I set it up so the terrain was sort of perfectly placed so I could it was in my deployment zone, there's sort of two pieces of terrain with like a perfect boat sized hole in them. So I set <laughs> 
the boat up with a unit in it in such a way that so he went first and as expected directly charged me with big 3d6 charges the frost lord got in but kragnos had to had to charge the boat with the unit in it that's all he could do and then he smashed the boat to rubble which let me jump that unit out behind it and then kragnos had nothing to fight and then the other thing you have to screen out is that Frost Lords now have a 3d6 flying pile in. <laughs> some monstrous rampage. Yes, thing, some right? monstrous yeah. rampage. So you 3D6. have to be something like that. It's big. It might be 2d6, but it's That's big. still a lot. Wow. It's a, okay. it's a big old pile in. So I had to do sort of a long strung deployment with these sort of gaps in between units where a Frost Lord just can't fit. It's slightly awkward, but he it basically meant all he could fight was Namat, which is ideal, exactly what I want. And he went in and killed a load of Namat. I fine. They're there to be expensive and die. So in return, I shot a load of stuff off, shot off his Morn Fang, and I did... So you know that thing where you sort of have a semi-conversation with someone about how the terrain rules work in Age of Sigma? And then you think, oh, I can't be bothered to argue this. <laughs> did that. Okay. So he thought wobbly model thing was a model has to sit completely flush otherwise it can't be where it is Oh, which is maybe how it should be but it's not near the rules definitely not that's definitely not the rules and the other thing that had come up was the deepkin boat is impassable because it is a garrison but when you smash it to rubble it's not a garrison anymore so it becomes passable so you can sit on it yeah so it was basically whether because of all this terrain in my deployment zone, it was about lining up loads of sharks to try and kill his frost lord in melee, basically, with a big high tide. That was the plan. And then it was just like, do I want my first game of the day, my first turn and my first game of the day to be an argument with this guy about whether I can have wobbly model sharks sat on my boat to fight his frost lord? He's going to be pissed off. <laughs> uh, so I didn't do it. Long story short is I didn't do it. I just didn't make the charges. I just sort of sat them there, and some of them got in, and some of them didn't. And I didn't kill him. <laughs> so I instant regretted that. I left him on like two wounds. He he got the turn roll off that. Retreated the Frost Lord out, which I then did not use as an opportunity to redeploy because I'm stupid. And Kragnoff then 3d6 charged in and killed the turtle, which is... With impact hits or in combat? With both. So there was combat involved as well. The turtle is 16 wounds, so it's hard for Kragnoff to impact hit it off. He did a lot with impact hit, so when he went to melee it, it had a bad save. The turtle's 500 points if it dies and it's done nothing. You kind of know what direction that game's headed in, especially with its turn two. This is like the perennial turtle problem which I'll probably talk about at some point. I did then kill Kragnos in return for that. So Kragnos obviously has a really good save, but Marmy's got so much Ren 2 and 3 that you eventually do roll 1s and 2s. So killed Kragnos, so that looks like a really good trade. Um, but it's just like one of those situations where there's no battle tactics I could do at this point. The Everwinter ability, I don't know if you've played against it, 
where you take Mortal Wounds in the hero it's, phase. Yes, sounds still like it. It was before, more or less. Is it roll a dice, and if it's yeah. equal to or less than the current battle round? So he killed a king with it. He killed a shark with it, and he just what? impact hit my army off with the rest of it. I'm like, I had nothing yeah. at that point. That was always like the fun ogre tech. <laughs> When yeah. I was playing them on the last book, was that they do a, they're surprisingly fast and do a surprisingly large yeah. number of impact hits yeah. on mortals, yeah. and they do the the chompy bites now as well, which is like even more mortals, and it's like the Nurgle thing where it just chip 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 chip, yeah. and suddenly there's yeah. and particularly my army where there's no protection for mortal wounds, and because I lost all the Namatai early doors and I lost that turtle early doors, even though Kragnos went down. I had almost nothing left. So at that point, like a king dying and a shark dying means got like four models on the board. So battle tactics become impossible. The damage is just like full drops off a cliff. So yeah, I think around turn four, just like too much of my army was gone and he still had like enough. He had like one stone horn and the hero left. So like almost everything was dead, but it was enough to. Uh, yeah. To mop me up at that point. So it's an army that's really similar to the old Ogre book in many ways, but Boulderhead is just baseline tougher than it used to be because I think it used to be plus one wound and it's plus two now. Yeah. Oh, I feel wow. like Kragnos okay, has yeah. boosted it quite a lot as well since yeah. like, people used to play that army before Kragnos and I think Kragnos just makes it better. Yeah. Right? And those new monstrous rampages are the real deal. They are mm. very scary if they get to do them. Yeah. yeah. It does sound like the stuff you were saying about the terrain rules does sound frustrating, and I can totally see why you did it because no one yeah. wants that argument, particularly when you're having the argument in favour of really janky terrain rules that probably ought yeah. to be rewritten so that that situation doesn't arise. Yeah, exactly. Just really awkward situation all around, and I just I thought I could do it without getting that extra unit involved, and I was incorrect in that assumption. So. My bad, but yeah, one of those things. In hindsight, I guess if you're if you're really gunning to do as, be- as best as you possibly can, you, I would have just done it and said, "I can do this for the TO." If you don't believe me, but, yeah, sometimes it's not worth upsetting people and having like a negative experience that early in the tournament. <laughs> no, and I was just I was just there to practice and to like check out the venue and to have some fun. So. Why Why do that? Andy went on to come second, I think, so he did pretty well, oh, well nice. overall. Yeah, nice. I think it's the highest-placing Ogre player as well. Mm. Sweet. Yeah, because there were two Iron Blaster players at the event. So yeah, that was fine. So Submarine Engage. Exactly. I tend to go into events and just lose round one. Seems like a bad habit. I think it might have been after this game that you posted on our Discord, my army is awful, <laughs> or <Yes>. something <laughs> to that effect. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's got it's got weakness. It's got problems. There are problems with this army. So game two in the presence of idols, fine, whatever battle plan. All these battle plans where you have to like pick units to get extra VP if you kill stuff with them. Whatever. Okay, my it's quite good for your army to be honest. So yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty good one for my army. So this was against Kezhay. He was playing Nighthorn. It was his first ever event. 
if you want an idea of how far down the tables I was there. <laughs> Boo! No, he wasn't like super, super new to Age of Sigma. He knew what he was doing. It was just his first book. He played a lot at the club, it sounds like. His army was kind of not optimal Nighthorn. It was like what he had painted as optimally as he could run that. So he was running Emerald Host. Nice, good choice. Which is the... Because he didn't own lots of Blade Geists. That's the Makes other sense. ones. Yeah. It chips mortal yeah. wounds off. Against me, it's incredible because I've got these squishy high impact heroes that do not want to be taking D3 mortal wounds every round. So I basically spent all of my heroic actions this game doing heroic heal. It tends to be what I'm doing a lot of the time, I find in AOS 3 is heroic healing. So this was it's kind of a weird one. So he made one I think like a huge mistake in this battle plan off the bat. Whereas he, and this is, I think, an inexperienced thing, is he picked his idle units to be Alinda, which is fine. She can kill things. And then two support heroes. Mm. And I think he was his thinking, I'm guessing. So one, I think maybe he incorrectly thought you had to pick heroes. You don't. It can be any unit. It could be anything, yeah. I did say that because I didn't pick any heroes for me. And I think maybe he thought he was being defensive with that pick. All that means is that you cannot score bonus VP, but if your opponent can kill those support heroes with their idols, they will score bonus VP. And if your idol's and like you a unit of Reavers and their yeah, idol is yeah. a four-wound support hero. Yeah. And you want to yeah. kill the support heroes anyway against Nightfall, yeah. right? That's absolutely... Like, one of them, I, th- I think he picked his Krill Gast. And it's like, this is my target number one. I like. I want to kill this guy. So I, That's a big mistake. I think I picked the Turtle and two units of Sharks, which is... You know, they'll probably kill. If anything's killing anything in my army, it's that. So I think that was a big mistake. He, I gave him first turn on this one because he deployed very centrally and had some stuff doing that sort of nighthorn redeploy thing where you can put them back on the board in your first turn. Yeah, and I I used the proving grounds because of how he was deployed to basically force him to put his stuff that was in the sky all up on one flank. So he couldn't sit on three objectives. He'd have to sit on only two in the first battle round <coughs> to be able to score them. And then my, the plan from there was to like roll up the other flank, basically, and just fight him in the middle and win. And that's kind of what happened. Nice. I had like a really bad first turn of shooting, did nothing, thought, hmm, this game could go interestingly, because I know Nihon are not very good. At the moment, and the lack of, you know, you when your army is playing into rend right with the turtle low, thing and everything. Low so volume of attacks, high rend is is yeah. my army's thing. So yeah, on paper this is terrible. But I got the double into two, which is usually good. But in this, I was sort of like, the hell am I going to do? Because most of his army was sat in a huge blob in the middle of the board, and you just look at it and think, this is going to be tough to shift. And I took desecrate as a battle tactic, which forced me to just like, because he had expert conquerors and the TA ruled that expert conquerors works on terrain, which I don't know. I thought that, I I, don't know. I definitely thought it did. I think that's, that might be your assumption, but if you actually read it, I don't know. I don't know. I think I have no idea. I've always played it that it, does usually to it's my never, advantage. It's never come up for me before in the game, but he had expert conqueror spirit house or something, so I got myself into a position where I had to hideously overcommit 
basically to score this BT. So I hideously overcommitted and it worked. <laughs> and he just failed. Like, this is so Nighthorn. He just failed his four ups and his army just disappeared. Love to see it. Disappeared off the center of the board. He tried going in with what, le- what was left in his turn. He put it all into the turtle, which just bounced it. He did like four damage to the turtle. Because on it's 16 wounds, it's got no wards, but it's got a two plus save base. And as it takes damage, its save gets worse. But if you're fighting with Rend 1, it's such an easy all out defense. Two plus save, you're laughing all the way. Yeah. And he, he bounced off it. And then from there, he got the double, but he's doubling me into high tide with a melee army, and like all his army's dead, all of mine is alive. So we put it in because you have to, <laughs> but he also got really is really unfortunate that because Alinda's ability to put models back into units is like half of their utility, yeah, uh, so good. and because his turn of saves when I overcommitted was so bad, he had. A bunch of units that just got killed outright. And so, like, Elinda couldn't really do <laughs> anything that game. She just got really shut down. She's unfortunate, but went my way very quickly, very fast. And, like, I think I tabled him turn three. It was basically over, which is not what I was expecting. <laughs> just to prevent people from contacting us about this, I'm going to flag that there is actually an FAQ that specifically oh, says okay. that Expert Conquerors does count for contesting cool. terrain right. features. I don't know the FAQ. That's I thought there was, but I wanted to check before oh, okay. I said it in a very confident-sounding way, and it turned out to be a complete <laughs> lie. Well, I'm glad we played it correctly then. That's good. Chris, in his round two, oh, bless him, Chris, in his round two, had the longest game of AOS in a tournament I've ever seen. I think oh God. he was the guy the TO was stood over when it was like five minutes past the round time ball. Come on now, guys. Is this game finishing any time soon? Lots of Kane are usually either dead or have murdered everything by then. That's what you'd think. And so he was, again, ahead of Knights of Slanesh, which is unusual to see. So yeah, exactly. So it was like glue tasks. It was a gorgeous army at one best painted. Mm, cool. It was like Glutos, Fiends, some other stuff. It all looks quite similar, doesn't it? You get a lot on the board. I think it had the big sexy new hero as well, Sigvolve. Had a lot of lot of bits and bobs. Chris's notes on this one is they are okay, double exclamation mark. I guess to get some night daughters a lot of screening and stuff to throw in the way does so go quite a long way, right? He had lots of debuffs to hit and wound from the Fiends and Glutos, which, like, daughters are supposed to, like, win the first round of combat. Yeah. Which that stops it from doing. And also, over the course of the game, the guy summoned two separate units of 30 demonets. Oh. Which which will do it. (laughs) If you're bringing on, like, if you're bringing on 600 extra points onto the boards, it's. I'm aware that that's not how summoning actually works. There are other opportunity costs involved. The army is overcosted because it summons, blah, 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 blah. Yes, I understand. But <laughs> I mean, it's still 60 extra wounds that you've got. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily got to chew through, but. Yeah. There's a lot of things that can stand between the Shadow Queen and anything you actually care about. Yeah. So I watched this game 
and they really couldn't have like you know normally you talk through the end of the game if you're getting close to the end of the round and like you can do it. they genuinely couldn't which is why they ran so late because they were in a situation where in the slanesh player's final turn depending on the outcome of a specific combat the end of the game would have been major win draw major loss oh wow uh, so i think it was they had to if they killed a unit with a specific one well, if he killed chris's unit with one of his specific units because of a battle tactic it would have been a major win to the hedonites if they if a different unit killed them it would have been a draw and if they didn't kill this unit it was a, a major win to chris and chris got after all some crazy dice because it was glutos failing to kill like some stab snakes which <laughs> Not very likely to happen, but I think Chris got a very narrow win out of that one. Nice. But some very stressful for everyone involved, because I cannot imagine... My games don't tend to run on very quickly with Deepkin. Like Daughters, usually, it's over very quickly, one way or the other. And so I can't imagine it's fun having the TO stood over you going, yeah. can you finish? I have had some games that have gone back down to the bar, but I mm. think we just kind of... The game I'm thinking of, I think we just ended up decide, deciding at the end of turn four it was a draw because yeah. we didn't have time to play turn five and there was no way we could talk through turn five. So it was just like, all right, let's, yeah. let's make a pragmatic decision here. It was really unfortunate. So game three was in Silk Steel Nests, which I had not played before, but is a good and fun battle plan. Best version of burning objectives that I have seen. I like this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah the good. whole spider rule could just not exist. Does it adds nothing? It just wastes time. I don't think we remember to roll it all. I think when I've played the scenario, I've only remembered to roll it once. And why does it target bravery? Why must we continue to punish goblins? Poor goblins. Poor goblins. Poor rats. Oh. Um, Cities of Sigma, humans, they're bravery four. Yes, yeah, so my rats are bravery four. What's going on with your humans? I don't know. I always feel quite bad for them. They should be braver than that. I guess, I guess the band of bravery has to cover, like, you know, like literal gods. Yeah, I might be mistaken, to... but I'm pretty sure some of them are bravery four. Completely yeah. fearless skeletons, brackets, bravery ten. So. In yeah. my defence, if if I were if I was a man with a stick, and I had to fight Morgast, I would also be bravery four. I'd be bravery three. I've just yeah. looked at handgunners and they're bravery five, so I might be oh, being overly mean to them. I'm sorry. They're, they're so brave. I recently listened back to last year's TPP Christmas podcast to do some research for the one we're recording at the moment, and there's an extended segment where. Um, we laugh at the possible, like the laughable idea that Beasts of Chaos could be good, and then we saw how that came out this year. So maybe us talking about goblins now is a good omen for the Gits book that we're expecting. <laughs> Pray for Gob. Yeah, bravery ten, bravery ten goblins. I need to like an three. army that involves a hundred goblins to be really bad because I could so easily be tempted to paint a hundred goblins. It would be really they are really fun to paint. So in well. the first rounds, the other Iron Blaster player was on the table next to Chris and he was playing against a Gits player who had, I think, 120 goblins on the board. And 
the Gits player lost, but it was really close because it's quite hard to kill that many goblins. Especially um, when they can come back. Man, three, whatever, yeah. probably isn't doing a lot, is it? He he won a prize at the end of the tournament because he kept track of how many goblins died each game, and it was always more than the number he started with at the beginning <laughs> of each game. So he lost like seven hundred goblins over this weekend. <laughs> Incredible, which uh, is really impressive. But. Anyway, that aside, I don't think he did too well in the standings overall, but had a blast removing goblins from the board. So this game, I played against a guy called Chris Thurston, uh, who I just <laughs> like a lad, I think, kind of local. This was like the absolute perfect timing for this to occur, because game three, last game of the day, you're tired, you just want to go home. I was Chris's lift. <laughs> So if we finished early, we could just go home. <laughs> nice. Uh, so that is what we did. So, yeah, two tiny, fragile, hard-hitting armies fighting each other. I kind of felt pretty good about this one going in. We've not played these before. We've we've owned these armies for, like, ages, but we've never played them against each other properly. I think we've had, like, a doubles game we were both involved in, but... We've not done like 2K, his doc versus my deepkin ever. So it's quite good to see what happens. So part of why I was pretty confident here is whilst he's not super bow snakey, he's he still has a unit of 10 bow snakes that he is investing time and points in. And not only do they have to target the closest unit, Deepkin have an extra special set of rules called Isharan Rituals, if you have an Isharan hero, which you get to pick at the start of the game. And it gives you an extra rule on a specific tide. And almost all of the time I pick a rule which gives me plus one run and charge when I can run and charge. But this game, because he has both snakes sat at the back of the board, I can pick one that says you can only shoot me if you're within 12 inches. So... Ooh, that's... Yes. Horrible. Yeah. That's yeah. horrendous. <laughs> yeah. So, one, he can't double tap me in his hero phase because he's too far away. It's yeah. an 18-inch deploy. So he just cannot do that first turn regardless. And I can deploy knowing this, and I can give him first turn. So I know all he can do with his turn one is charge Shadow Queen into me, which he's going to do anyway, right? Yeah. And then the second thing I know about that is if he wants to shoot me with them at all in his first turn... He has to get them within 12, and then I know I'm getting the turn after that. So they will then die. And I also know if he wants to do that and get any use out of them before I murder them horribly, then he will be shooting Namate, which is like the least valuable thing he can be shooting. Or like a single shark. I think I was screening with like two units of Namate and a single shark, which again is not, I can lose that all day and be happy. And he could choose to not engage with them and keep them at the back of the board, at which point I then have free reign with all of my shooting to pick them off or pick off his other melee threats. I think this is a really hard game for him, but it ended up being a complete bloodbath. So I gave him first turn. Shadow Queen, like a fucking legend, comes flying in. Huge charge, goes straight into the turtle, carves like nine wounds out of it. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, <laughs> Turtle's basically almost dead turn one. It's like disaster mode. So then I had to use my turn one. I had to then retreat the turtle so it's not doing anything for a whole turn again. 
I think the important it did cap Marathi when she charged it. So the important thing with Shadow Queen always is you just have to keep doing that three damage. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter what where you do it. You just have to do it because every turn you don't do it is another turn she's on the board. And when she's on the board, she's for how expensive she is has a horrifically good melee profile. I know Daughter's players will say she's not that good. She's nuts. Heartrender is so good. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, so I think my plan in this basically, because Silk Seal Nests, it's the one advantage she has in this one is mobility into Silk Steel Nests because I have to castle and he has a lot of like Kinarai, Shadow Stalkers, blah, blah. So my turn one, I was focused on killing them. Exactly. It's like six objectives. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my, that was my worry is he would just out cap me and then start burning them. So I focused, I basically focused on killing those first, his mobile units whilst capping Shadow Queen. And then his lines hit mine. I charged him back and just everything fucking died. It was incredible. His, he had the endless spell, it's the big snake. Big Snake had the game of its life. It ate <laughs> half a unit of Namato Reavers. It then turned around and ate Lotan, which you can just do. Then it like Benny Hill chased a unit of Namato Thrills around the board for the rest of the game, slowly killing that unit bit by bit. It eventually killed them all. And it was like genuinely nothing I could do about it because I just failed to unbind it every turn. It's just like, oh, okay, this is just killing my army. Cool. So that was incredible. The. I learned power of negging in this game. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! After Shadow Queen like chopped the turtle in half, and he had to like retreat for a turn, and then just did nothing. I was like, "This turtle's dog shit!" Like, did nothing for me. Game one just died like an idiot. Game two, yeah, he did all right, but he didn't do much damage. He just sat there getting punched. And then, like this game, he's just getting chopped up. He's rubbish. So Turtle then turned around and like ate an entire flank by itself. <laughs> just like one turn, killed Shadow Queen, a Slaughter Queen, and a unit of Kinarai <laughs> through like impact hits, shooting and melee. Just went at all of that. So it's like, oh, okay, that's that flank dealt with then. So good. Tell your models they're awful. Maybe they'll then do good for you. Spent a lot of time telling Arkan that, and it's never come to anything. So Turtle goes totally sicko mode. But Chris kind of made a weird decision going into about around three. There was almost nothing on the board. I had three units left, which was like a king, a turtle, and some thrills. Like four, maybe three thrills in the unit. Going to about around three, he got the turn. And what he could have done was sit off and score and let me come to him. What he did instead was charge me. So what happened was I killed him in his turn because of high tide. So he knew he was going to strikes first. I think one thing that surprised him was he lost the iron scale to, I think it was for Namato. But against models like that, they're damaged too. Like their ability to kill a six wound model they don't have to fail. They, not many things have to go like too badly wrong for them to, to chop that model up. So uh, he was kind of relying on that fight going his way, but it wasn't like a guarantee at all. And yeah, fighting the Achillean King on High Tide was... Uh, he was chancing his luck there, I think. 
Yeah. But that did not that did not work out for him. So that was about another battle round three tabling, but I had two models. But also we finished that game in like an hour and could go home so early. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's kind of what your army's designed to do, right? Like you are yeah. trying to kill them and then win the game rather yeah. than do it another way. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a long drawn out game, it's it's not gone to plan. Yeah. And kind of same for him. Yeah. I think he has a better long game, provided he has anything intact. But yeah. So then, game four. This was a fun one for Rich, I think. So I got Ooh. matched into Lumineth. Oh, everyone's favourite. New Lumineth, which was Battle Cows. Oh, wait. This was Battle Cows. How many cows? This was, it was only one cow. So it was Teclas, Avalanor, a stone mage. So excited that this Two is units of good. five stone guard, two units of ten stone guard. That's two That's the army. It's a lot of stone guards. That's the whole army. And it's a very small army. You think your army's small, right? Yeah. But like, the a number of buffs you can layer on those fucking stone guard. Is there's so much of... stuff they just get natively as well, just by being like near stuff or being yeah Emetrica and things. I assume they're it like, was Emetrica. Yeah, it was Emetrica. So they're like ignore Ren two by default. That's They've fine. got totally cool and fine. Ether quartz and all out defense for yep. bonuses to save. The stone mage hands them out a free extra wound. So the unit of ten is thirty wounds of models. Yeah, at a on a turn where you need it to be. Yeah, yeah. that's not permanent, right? That's a... it's not it's not permanent, but you, it means you can move it to the unit that needs it as well. Yes, yes. Whilst they get like they get mortal wounds on fives, like other Lumineth stuff does now. Yep, they get plus one hit and wounds. I think they're bonkers. <laughs> Just gives them the five plus ward. So and they're base of four up save so almost all of the time it's three up save ignoring ren two with a five plus wards the bonkers the the downside to the army is they move four plus doesn't want to come out of his hidey hole so you have like one teleport in the army for mobility that's the downside this one i just played it real bad and then the dice completely punished me for playing bad. So decided on this one. So I'd been I was two drop. I decided that in every other game this weekend I took second turn. Which makes so much sense for my army. Because Definitely. I can really castle it. So on my side, defensively, if I'm using the Martai as a screen, which almost all of the time that's what you have to engage with first if you're coming to my army. Doesn't matter how you're coming to my army, that's what you have to engage with. They'll have Plus one save from cover because of battle round one deepkin. They'll have plus one save from the turtle. They'll have a five plus ward from the shipwreck. And anything in the shipwreck will have, I think, another plus one save and minus one to be hit. So they are way tougher than they look, which makes me a really good castle. This game, I didn't do that. I decided to go first, but I deployed like I was doing the castle. Oh. So everything was way further back than it needed to be. Basically, I either needed to... There was no point in me doing the castle build because he's so slow. What I needed to do was get in and blow something up early, pref- preferably the Stone Mage. Yeah, that's a that's a fulcrum piece for that yeah. army, right? And I knew that. So I went first, 
could not get everything to shoot him range-wise because I deployed like an idiot. Ugh. Too much of my army was far back. What I need to do is put the shipwreck at the back of the board. Who cares? The battle's not going to be fought or won here. It's going to be fought or won in the middle of the board. And just get everything as far forwards as possible so you can shoot this stone mage. He did the very obvious thing, which is, you know, lookouts are all-out defense, ether quartz, tanked all the shooting with from the stone mage. Uh, so I didn't kill him. So my turn one achieved literally nothing beyond scoring, which is not good. I think mm. maybe I picked up... Oh, no, I didn't. I genuinely killed nothing. I maybe did a wound to the stone mage. Intensely bad. He then just gets all his buffs up, including, I know, Laura's absolute favorite thing, total eclipse. I can't Oops. believe that still exists. It's, it's like it's gone. It's the, the it's the only piece of bullshit left in that book. So, yeah, but it was the worst piece of bullshit in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. There were it generally wasn't huge. I just saved my command points for what I knew I needed them for. But there were a couple of turns where I had three, and that's then then it's annoying. Exactly, it's then so it's bad. Annoying. Uh, there must be. It just depends what army you're playing. But if you're an army that has specific stuff you need command points for, it's just yeah, not fun. Yeah, if I was playing Bones, Blizzards, or Skaven, I would not have cared in the slightest. But yeah, so we had this like sort of cagey early game. We were both sort of shuffling around and scoring. So which led to like a weird turn two, where I think this is the only turn two priority in Aero three I've seen, where we both wanted to give it away. <laughs> To the other person, but he he gave it to me. So I had like just a appalling turn. Failed the battle tactic because so I failed three charges into a unit with a reroll, which spectacularly failed to achieve that. That's and then great. Avalonor just went sicko mode. In he charged the turn. He I can't be sad for you about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, he he rerolled a safe charge. This drove me insane. He he rolled a safe charge, decided he didn't like that, wanted like a 10, basically, to score an extra objective point oh, if he right. made this massive charge. So re-rolled the safe charge, which is, it wasn't like three inches, it wasn't a guarantee or whatever, and then got the bastard 10 he needed, <laughs> flying in, bonked a load of sharks, then <laughs> ran into the turtle in high tide, tanked the turtle, and then one shot the fucking turtle because I failed. Oh god, why did I fail? I failed five four plus saves because it had taken no damage at that point. So it was on a two up, and it failed every single save and took twenty five damage, <laughs> just like directly to the face, uh, and insta died. It's like again, game where the turtle had not achieved very much at the point it died. Most. Uh, that mostly due to my extremely bad play at that point. And then nice Avalonor is good now. He's very right, good. Now. He ought to yeah. Be. I think this army is super cool. Ethan also finished like a relatively high. I think he came in top ten or something. He did well with it. Nice. I think it's a really cool army. Has really obvious weaknesses as well. Like it is slow. So it doesn't feel super oppressive. That's good. But yeah. I just I just played it like an animal and then when I needed the dice to go my way to pull it back from playing really badly, they did not. Like, really did not. Like, this is also the game where the king rolled six ones to wound on a two plus to wound with his oh, rend three, damage three into the stone guard, which was like, that's the turn <laughs> I needed to kill that unit of stone guard. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all that happens, 
he just mopped me up at that point. There's basically nothing left, which is a bit, bit sad, but also that's a cool ass concept for an army. So I can't be too sad about losing to that. And also, when I did the review for that work, I was like, I hope people will run the Stone Guard army. So I, I think, much like this podcast meme, I've summoned that game to existence. <laughs> the, o- the only downside I will say is that he took the cow horns off of his Stone Guard and he gave them plumes instead. Oh, interesting. No. I've um, seen people like lower the horns down so that they're mm. like at head height rather than being at like, the top of a long helmet. I've never seen them. Just go full horny. Yeah, I quite like the models. I think they're, yeah. they're kind you of silly. Let's get but... your Luminous out again then. But... Oh, definitely at some point. Yeah, I've still got a few bits to paint for them. I'd like to get a. I'd like to go full cow as well. I think I'd like to get a. I'd like to get another Spirit of the Mountain, like a. Non, a non-unique mm. one to go with Avalonor <laughs> and some more Stone Guard. I actually priced it up to do an army. I think when you went to this event, you sent me the army list, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. that could be quite tempting." What would my variation on it be? And I was like, "You're spending like two hundred and fifty pounds just to buy." Like... So I think you don't need to go full potato Stone Guard. Yeah, I mean, the two units of... are still good, right? So the two units of five didn't really do much. Mm-hmm. Like they just quite good infantry. They could very easily have been something else. And like t- the two ten bricks, again, do you need like, you probably do want two if you're going to invest that much in them, but... Yeah, I think so you buying could... two more units of Stone Guard is, is less ridiculous, I think. Yeah, exactly. I, I think like you could... No new models in 2023 pledge is being quite well, stretched in this point. Well, I just want to finish some of, like, so for the Lumineth, I've got but like 10 Sentinels and some Dawn Riders and one or two little characters to paint. Mm-hmm. So I'd want to do that before I bought anything new, I think. But yeah. That makes I sense. think there's, there's depth to that book beyond the cows anyway. Yeah, definitely. It seems really good. I've played one game with it, I think, and it was it was pretty fun. So. Yeah. So Chris's game for, he was supposed to be in a dock mirror with a guy who was running Marathi and Gotrick. Ooh. The same army, which is like so you get very good for Chris because he just you get murders nothing else. Go to that, right? He does, yeah. yeah. So the theoretical game there, he's played against Gotrek before with that army, and Gotrek like insta dies to snakes. Basically, that player dropped overnight, very sadly. So Chris had to play the spare player, which was against Skaven. Uh, it was a no Storm of Fiends build, so it was like Warp Lightning Cannons, Thankwall, Clan Rats, Bits and Bobs. It's quite a fun spare player army. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it, it is a fun spare player army. Like, it can give you a challenge, but also it can just fall apart <laughs> really quickly. So, I think the big thing that went right for Chris here is Daughters of Cain have an artifact that says you can't take battle, you can't auto pass Battle Shock. And you can't also pass Battleshock is like Skaven Kryptonite. So they actually are bravery. For and oh when they die in droves, they die in droves. So this is what I found playing Skaven as well, is you either have to accept that a lot of your models are going to die very quickly, or you have to invest something in auto-passing Battleshock without Inspiring Presence. Because there's so much in the game now that stops using Inspiring Presence. You know, you've got Nighthaunt, has Storms of Cain artifacts. The entire Sons of Behemoth faction, basically, 
turns off inspiring presence. I think there's other ways to do it as well. I do Horogast. Yeah, Horogast does it as well. Uh, Endless spell as well. Right. And very importantly, the Flesh Eater Court's Throne does it as well. So, yeah, I think basically that's what went right for Chris here, is he got a huge win just by making all of the rats run away. Although apparently he did do thank all things, which is survive a really weird amount of time whilst just doing horrific damage to everything around him, which you love to see it. You do like to see a rat with four flamethrowers going absolutely hog wild. Chris doesn't love to see it because the practice game we had played was also Thankwall surviving a suspicious amount of time going hog wild with a load of flamethrowers. So last game was Friends of Galley. So like an actually good battle, finally, good fucking battle plan. It's like, I, so I don't know. This is a good battle plan. You're being it is, yeah, it is, yeah. I think Galley is my, f- Friends of Galley is my favourite in the battle pack. Yeah, I would like Yeah. Presumably it'll be one of the ones that goes from the new GHP, which makes me a little bit sad. Depends. Yeah, maybe not. We'll see. We will see. You'd hope that they'd keep the successful ones, but you never know. There'll be some they'll have to get rid of if they get rid of Galvets, so like the Mighty and the Cunning will have to go. Well, fortunately, I've never played Mighty and the Cunning, and may that long last, because what a horrible battle plan. But... It's the fun uh, battle plan if you have the same number of condition veteran <laughs> units, and if you don't, it's not great. Well, even then, there's there's difference in quality and uh, ease of ease of killing different galvets, isn't there? It's not. I, think, I don't mind to an extent if if you know it could come up that you have to kind of pick your list with some relevance to what the battle plans are. Mm-hmm. But I think it does put a bit more emphasis on how a TO runs events and whether they pre-announce the battle plans or tell you they're going to be yeah or whatever. I think, but sorry we're getting massively yeah yeah, yeah. i was gonna say my issue with it is like not every battle game has the ability to build equally towards that like like you say you're a sons player if you see that battle plan you're rubbing your hands together right because it's free yeah yeah whereas yeah. as a skaven player you're looking at all your five plus save bravery for galvets and thinking oh god <laughs> anyway it was prize of galley which is great Love it. This was against Abel Glossop, who was playing, I guess, sort of practically for how much I hate this army and how much I'll never, ever have to play it again in my life. He was playing Kornakia. This is like his final ride for Old Slaves Darkness Archeon, where all of this corn combo stuff still works. I kind of um, love that you had to play this army again, <laughs> knowing how much you hate it. Uh, yeah. It's no I, escape. It is kind of beautiful in its own way. So he's running... This was the full potato version of this army. This was like three units of Blood Reavers, a Blood Stoker, the Whippy Guy, the Priest, whatever his name is, the Blood... Slaughter Priest. Slaughter Priest. Yeah, there you go. It's the one thing without blood in there. He was running the Bloodthirster of You Can Pile In Six Inches, the Bloodthirster of Insensate Six Inches Pylons. He was running... <laughs> Scarbrand and Archeon. That's it. That's all you get. So, I don't know. I don't know how to approach this battle at all because if Archeon lives, I'm not going to have anything left in battle round two. So I gave him first turn and just let him run at me, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I set the castle up as best I can. I knew he was only going to get one model in because of the... I did, I backboarded it, and he also backboarded it, which is kind of weird because I outdropped him, 
because I was like two drop and he was, I think he was eight drop, which fair play. That is thematic. But he saw me, he was measuring out all like with my 14 inch moves and my charge distances and stuff and thinking, oh, I've got to be out of that. But he did all that. So I told him all my threat ranges and then I backwarded it anyway. And I, he didn't really take that in. So he, he put it quite far back. So he was only ever going to get one thing into me with that six inch pile in auto run six gimmick. And it kind of had to be Archeon because Skyrun isn't fast enough at all good enough in that first turn because he needs to have that turn of not fighting. And that's basically exactly what happened. I gave him first turn. Archeon goes flying forwards, charged me. He had to, had to charge the Namatai. He wanted to get a big charge into my sharks, but I don't know how to describe it, but I sort of put the Namatai out in front and the sharks were a bit behind. And then in between them, there was just a, a single Lotan who was sat perfectly so that you could not put a large, fat, circular base where he was. So he was, if if he decided to not do the autopiling thing and just roll a massive charge, he couldn't have then put it deeper into my army because he'd have just had to have fought Lotan, which, if that's what he wants to do with the Slayer of Kings, I'm more than happy with that result. You're one small guy. <laughs> Slayer of Kings away. Slayer of octopuses. Uh, yes, Slayer of octopuses. He didn't do that. He charged the Martai. He killed like five out of each unit with his double activation. An appalling round of combat. He took some chip damage to unleash hell. He then took some more damage back from the thrills swinging back. Again, a damage two into models like that. If he fails a save, he takes two damage. It all counts. Go into my turn. I sh- Pushed some sharks up aggressively up one flank, shot off his unit of his blood reavers. Because the other thing with armies like this is if you've got three min battle line and that is it, and then some big monsters, if you mm. can just start removing that battle line, how do you score? Like you just can't. So shot them to bits because it's really easy to do that with my army. And then just high tide pushed it all into her. And the turtle just killed him. I was getting ready to be the saddest man in the world because the Aethelian King did zero damage in this high tide activation. Like, Ren 3, damage 4. I got all the buffs up and he just did nothing. Incredible. Ready to be like, this is bad. And then the <laughs> turtle just went bananas and nice. um, chopped all of Archeon's heads off. I love uh, the narrative of this event that you came up against, like your nemesis army and the turtle that you'd been <laughs> negging for four games suddenly ran all right. He went, he went boss man. I even had two extra sharks in combat that it turned out being a bad thing because it drew Scarbrand into the fight because of how I had to pile in because um, their bases are so big and they did not need to be there. You don't know that going in, so I, I, I did the safe play. But anyway, so that's an insane turn one. I was kind of hoping I'd get the double there, and at that point, just that did not happen. <laughs> nice quick game. Nice quick game. Scarbrand's dead. You've got nothing. Shake his hand. That didn't happen. He got the turns. So we actually had to play a game of Avengers. Uh, so after my mad turn of removing half of his army in one activation, he then did the same to me. So Scarbrand then went in. He killed in his double fight Lotan, two sharks, and the turtle, which, if we just do some quick. I'm typing, yes, that is 945 points of my army in one combat phase that Skullbrand deleted. So, yeah. That, Age of Sigma is a silly game. It's such a silly Very game. Very silly game. So he did 
16 mortal wounds to the turtle, which perfectly kills it. Ooh. And with with the double activation, I think there's nothing I can do about that. I think there is genuinely no play there. Again, because Scarbrand was tagged, I couldn't do any redeploys around that. He could have done He did the six-inch pile-in again and just swung round into the turtle. I, th- I, I genuinely think there was no play for me to stop that beyond not tagging him in the first place and just assuming the turtle was going to decapitate Archeon, which it was not my plan. So at that point, that was quite scary. And I was like, wow, this is going to go really downhill very quickly. But because he did that on his turn, there's no way he could get a double to like capitalize on that. If he could have then got Scarbrand deeper into my lines, that would have been game over. But Bloodthirsters are so squishy. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've played Bloodthirsters a lot, but they go down so fast. So my next turn, I killed Scarbrand and his other Bloodthirster with, like, shark, two sharks killed each, basically, just through shooting in melee. This picked it up, and at that point, he just had some Blood Reavers and a couple of baby heroes. He did some, like, a cheeky summoning play, and... It, Obviously, at that point, he knew he'd lost, so we were just sort of like playing through things. So I was telling him to do stupid stuff to try and get battle tactics because the event was scored on your total score, right? So battle tactics were adding. So it's like, if you can score these, you might get a better... So he it was, it was like, oh, there's no battle tactic I could do. So I was like, well, if you... It's about around three, so it's high tide. But look, if you charge a Slaughter Priest in on this one solo shark and kill it, you know, survive the shark damage, and then kill it. You'll get eye for an eye. He was like, well, that's stupid. I was like, well, you're going to lose anyway. <laughs> you might as well do it. And he did it, and then he got eye for an eye, because I rolled really badly, and the Slaughter Priest just, like, killed the shark. So it's like, yeah, good, see, you play for these play for these stupid margins. If you, you know, if it's going to get you points at the end of the game, you might as well do it. But yeah, at the end of it, that was ended up being pretty clean. Despite the squeakiest bum moment of Scarbrand killing a thousand point yeah. army. <laughs> oh man, I had some real negative experiences playing against Corn over time over my yeah. time playing AOS. They're yeah. they're super fun. I like their rules. I think they're very thematic. Scarbrand in particular, just like coming and automatically doing sixteen more wages or something, always feels quite sad. Mm-hmm. And I had one experience when I was quite new to playing Lumineth where mm. the Bloodthirster with the big axe got in yeah. to like my castle and then proceeded to roll something like three sixes on its attacks Ooh, and nice. just like explode my entire army with mortal wounds. Yeah. And- Corn is the army I am most in danger of painting once I finish my current projects, I think, because I played mm. one tabletop simulator game with them where the Bloodthirster with a big axe did 120 mortal wounds in a turn, and it was so much oh fun that I just want that army now. I, I don't even think they're a thematic army. Like, the no, they're not. They're too techy. Kind of are, they're so yeah. techy. Yeah. But they're due a new book, right? So they might yeah. get better. We'll they're see. Really, like, I love their models as well. The like, Bloodthirster with a big axe is quite thematic. Like the rest yes. of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, yes. Hits, like hits the ground so hard it explodes. <laughs> yeah. but I, if I could change anything about Scarbrand, it's that his rule about getting his best profile when he doesn't fight is he has to have. It's in the, based on I think it's based on the last battle round, and it's if he didn't fight in either of the turns. So you have to. He has to have fought in both turns in the last battle round to 
to be on his worst profile, which is annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought it was too easy to achieve. Yeah. That. But uh, Since yeah. Cobb just kind of like he if you it's, don't it's know obviously what he not, does, it's he obviously is a bit of a negative player experience, yeah. but he's kind of I think he's fine for his points because there is counterplay to him a lot of the time. Yeah. And he's comparatively he's too good slow. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't fly, so yeah. I mean nothing in that army is really very if we're being honest with ourselves. Well, but yeah. that's because because of all the techie stuff you can do with it, yeah. right? The whipping yeah. and the auto running and the piling in and stuff. It makes it I fast. think the combo of that plus the old demon principality making like halving the distance of all your yeah. moves yeah. and charges made it feel like fighting against treacle. But or fighting through treacle. But uh, yeah. Anyway, this is massively yeah. diverted, I guess. And then, just for completeness' sake, Chris is round five. This is just a bit of fun. He was against twenty-five bounty hunter blood knights. Oh, I'm sure that went well for snakes. <laughs> yeah. So he had a round of combat where two blood knights made it into base contact with his unit of ten snakes and killed them all. Oh no! Also. Uh, the other thing blood knights do in that matchup is, even if you can't trade them, what Doc can do is pin you and win the long fight, basically. Yeah. By like keeping you tagged, having their four plus rally, and then getting Shadow Queen involved in a later fight, or put, putting the both snakes into them. You can't tie down blood knights, they can retreat and judge. Yeah. So, yeah. And they do damage to you when they retreat over you as well, yes, right? So, yeah. So bad, bad game for Chris overall. Yeah, bad matchup. Yeah. Although I've got to say, I'm not too sympathetic about the idea of a unit of blood sisters dying to the idea of a small corner of the unit getting into combat with them, seeing as that's exactly <laughs> how they work. Yes, it is. Yeah. but it's, yeah, it's sort of no, it's not by his own child, yeah. yeah, not a good base. So where did you finish finally then? So I finished. I finished somewhere. You went three nice. and two, right? Well I done. went three and two. Yeah. Yes. I came about, the prophecy is fulfilled. Yeah, I came just sort of t- top middle in the pack, basically. I think Chris went two and three in the end. Yeah, he had a close run to a three-two. Sounds like he got really unlucky with matchups. He had some pretty. He had some rough ones. Yeah. The first, the round one and round five for him were particularly bad. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mine. I don't know. I could probably have won all my games. Obviously, I would have changed my matchups completely. It's neither here nor there, but like they were within my ability. I either just made very bad decisions. Well, it's not either. I just made some very bad decisions, <laughs> which is a fine way to lose, I think. You're going to lose. You might as well lose by being a fool. Well, yeah, why not? Why not? But yeah, I went in thinking the army was garbage. I came out... I think it's okay. I don't think it's. I I don't think it's good. I think three two is kind of fair for that army. Four one is probably its limit. I don't think you'd have to have the run of your life to fight though with that. So I suspect what we will see with Deepkin is if we move out of the world of Galician veterans and bounty hunters and all that, is you're going to start seeing big buckets of Nomati on the board. They got more heroes who might benefit from the new GHB stuff. They have lots of small heroes, yes. Yeah. Soul renders and stuff. The right. Thrillmaster or whatever, right? The Thrillmaster. So what, 
Yeah, so what you might start seeing is the Thrillmaster because... Well, see, now, the thing the, pro- the thing with Deepkin is these, with those heroes in particular, their problem was never getting shot off. That's um, fair. Because you can't. Oh, yeah, you can't, of course. Yes, yeah. indeed. Unless, unless you do a big positioning bad, you're <laughs> in control of that. So I think we'll have to see what the rest of the GHB looks like for that. But potentially, if they're focusing on small heroes, and yes, there are avenues where, like, Thrillmaster, he's not quite good enough at the moment. But if Thralls come back in a big way, you know, minus one to wound is a is a pretty chonky debuff. So, are they... Yeah, what's their range now if the Galvet's fighting in two ranks then goes away? Uh, so Thralls have a two-inch reach, so they can nice. fight in two okay. ranks. Yeah. All right. So if you take 30, you can get them in. Yeah, it could be good. Nice. Yeah, they could they could be good. There's lots of ways you can buff them up. One one I don't own thirty thrall and I don't want to paint anymore. So I probably won't run that army. The the other part of that is if you take all of those buff pieces, like if, so if you want to do like the full whole every single way I can make this unit invincible, and it will be very tough, it, it will do the business. So if you do the the full combo is a sh- uh, turtle for plus one to save, the boat summoning artifact, which means you have to buy two boats, the soul render in the sub-faction four soul renders, which brings back D3 plus three, and the Achillean Thrillmaster. If you do that combo with 30 Thralls, that's like 1,120 points. Just that combo. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of points in one sort of block, isn't it? And, and you have one battle line unit, and all your cheapest battle line is 130 points. So at that point, you're, you're not adding in. much after that. No, you're not. You're really not. So that's my concern with that army build. You can probably go less crazy with that and end up with a less tough unit. but Because... People are going, wow, you'll have these unkillable holds of... I have seen the tweets of people going, unkillable holds of thralls. But defensively, if you're not doing all that extra stuff, they are a clan rat. So yeah. They need the extra stuff to, to actually become that puppet. Yeah. We'll see. And I guess Reavers are potentially made a little less good if it's, they can't shoot off buff heroes and stuff. So maybe that isn't what they were about anyway, but they haven't got a super long range. Yeah. They've got an 18-inch range, which is weirdly longer than you think it is but i i don't know about you i don't play a lot of shooting armies when i have played shooty shoots apart from that one game where i utterly failed to kill the hero anyway i don't tend to be shooting little buff heroes i tend to just shoot the unit they're buffing that tends to be my approach i don't you've played ko so you yeah i think i I haven't played ko successfully but i would say that ko (laughs) probably are more about at least, like at the start, shooting yeah. off the small heroes because often right. they. It's kind of you can't. Essentially, with KO, what you're trying to do is at the start is often do enough damage to make a difference without having to get the boat within 12 inches where it's going to be charged and right. murdered. So I think it can be quite good to try and have a turn or two picking off small heroes from long range before you go in and commit yourself and get into a fight because if you've taken out a buff hero first you've got a bigger chance of surviving the fight right. uh, that said I've never been very successful with KO so maybe that is not the approach <laughs> I should be taking but I yeah I think KO will suffer from not being able to snipe the support heroes before they have to 
get in against units, especially yeah. against you know something like Nighthorn, which will where the small heroes are bringing back the other stuff. So you kind of need to take them out first. Yeah. If if the season does change, then what are you? Because you were sort of maining OBR for this season. Do you have well, any feelings about Slave Darkness? Um, I mean, I think you know they've got. They've got a few decent small heroes where you're going to have your Chaos Sorcerer Lord and your some kind of Chaos Lord who's trying to be turned into a Demon Prince or something. Or <laughs> at least I don't, you know, I don't. I think they probably will suffer a bit from lack of Galvets. Chaos Warriors probably quite mm. enjoyed being Galvets. But I feel like the kind of what that army is trying to do will not. It definitely isn't trying to shoot you off your small heroes from, a, from range. So. <laughs> it's I, probably happy enough. I mean, it's I, tricky, isn't it? We just don't yeah. know enough about the book yet. Like, you know, it could be whatever the battalions are turn out to be the overwhelmingly important thing and are more important than the stuff we've seen so far and we just don't know that yet. So, so that, that was know. my feeling about this. This GHB, my feeling has been that Galvets outside of the battalions hasn't meant much because people yeah. tended to not load up very heavily on them. So it made the the yeah. Galvet battle tactics, I've almost never even looked at them yeah, because they, no, they are so situational, they very rarely come up. And like the Proving Ground versus last GHP's block blowing up an objective, there's fun techie stuff you can do with it, but generally I've found it to be yeah. very unimpactful. Okay. I have found Proving Grounds quite impactful. Okay. And I like Proving Grounds. Like if they kept that, I would be quite mm. happy with it, I think. I think. I think I thought the blowing up an objective last time was too strong, whereas proving grounds actually feels quite nice. I think that it's more subtle. I don't dislike it. Yeah, but, but I would yeah. agree with you that I think you know bounty hunters is probably the defining feature of this GHB we've just had, and I will not be particularly sorry to see the back of that, to be honest. But stuff like the fighting in two ranks thing, I will miss a bit. I think there's some units that has really helped, and it will be a shame when that isn't around anymore. I would like it to be a core rule. And yeah, not same. linked to I mean, maybe being battle be, line or you know. We don't know that yet, but I'd be fine yeah. if it was linked to being battle line. I think that would be uh, reasonable. It's too awkward. The problem is Age of Sigma doesn't have the one thing this season's really struggled with, I felt like, is that AOS doesn't have the vocabulary for the kind of units it's trying to talk about. Because what it desperately yes, wants what this fair. GHB def- desperately wanted to talk about was infantry. And infantry doesn't exist as a concept, right? So we've had mm-hmm. to have very yeah. weird ways of talking about it. And yeah, no, I think that's fair. It's but, been clunky. Yeah. Overall, though, I, I have liked... like The main thing I dislike about the still the current GHB, I guess, is just the level of complexity in it if you are trying to get into it without being someone who plays a lot of ARS. But yeah. as you know, as someone who... I feel like I've definitely played enough of it and I've... I still think I'd rather there was just one GHB for a year, but I've played enough out of the yeah. open and I felt I've had my money's worth from it. And I think generally it's been pretty good. Like Bounty Hunters is probably my least favourite thing about it, but I I kind of like it mixed things up and shook up the meta a bit and it wasn't just all the same old stuff that was good. So I kind of hope the new one, you know, changes enough that you do have to rethink your lists a bit and that maybe slightly different things become good. Yeah. I think that's probably all right. I- Personally, I think it's the weakest set of battle plans they've had for a few years, which is, I think that's the most impactful part of a GHB. Hmm. I would have, I'd preferred last year's by quite a long way. Okay. 
I didn't mind, but I thought the battle plans were all right, to be honest. I, I mean, there's, there were a the, few rubbish ones, but the, the, I don't know if there's ever been a GHP that didn't have a few rubbish so ones in. There's, there's always a GHP with a few rubbish ones in. I think the thing with this one is there were more. So whilst there were still enough ones that were fine, it meant you ended up playing those more because like the the increased quantity of the really bad ones meant you just never, you never, the problem with the really yeah. bad ones isn't that you play them, it's that you never play them. So it just like lowers the overall pool of battle plans you pick from. Yeah, but some good, like the auto-win scenario in this one was massively preferable to the auto-win scenario from yeah. the previous ones. I think there's some stuff that moved in the right direction. I would like to, them to get, just stop doing the one that says you can't teleport because no one, I've never played a you can't teleport scenario in an event, I don't think, unless it's like a team event is using every battle plan. It's yeah. just like, just don't do that because it just means you've got 11 meaningful battle plans instead of 12. So, mm-hmm. you know, ditching that one would be good. Yeah. Similarly, the one that meant summoning units were shit just seemed unnecessary. Like, don't do that either. Too many with weird deployment zones in this one. Yes, I did like the one that had the tiny deployment zone. It just meant you couldn't take a bone tie nexus. Yeah. Like it just would not fit. It was not possible. That just fits tiny large. deployment zone, and there's one where it's like don't know how to describe it. It was like a diagonal, but you're not drawing the line diagonally. It was staggered. They've had that for a while, though. Those um, were, there were those. In no, the but it was it, it's like multiply staggered, so you couldn't just quickly do the measurements. Yeah. It took ages to. Oh, no, 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 no. I know the ones point. you mean, but that's yeah. not a new thing. There was definitely that in the previous. GHB mm. two, and I agree that I would prefer not to have that setup. Oh yeah, also complexity. I mean, because you mentioned the complexity of the GHB, which I agree with. But did either of you ever use the realm spell or the realm command ability, <laughs> or can you remember what they are? So the realm spell is the one that affects how much a model counts for on objectives, right? Maybe I don't yeah. remember what they are. I have not used it, but I think no. it, you're right. I can't remember what the command ability was this time. I did use the command ability in the previous. The previous yeah, one was the, a fight on top profile yeah. one, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was great. Actually, no, the realm spell and the command ability last time I used both of them. This time the I do not was believe I have. Out as a monster, right? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Metamorphosis. I would be happy if yeah. they binned off. Realm spells. Yeah, and realm so would I, to be honest. I think it's just slightly fewer things to have to remember would be. Especially good. if the the direction they go on them is to be niche, because all that means is you will forget they exist. Yeah. Someone will then gotcha you with one and yeah. you'll feel like an idiot. Yeah, no, for sure. I would I would like them to go back to one GHB a year and focus it on Yes, change fewer things, but have the things they change be meaningful. I think that would be fine. I think there are or maybe no, I, you change. I don't know. Like I can see an argument for making some tweaks to like scenarios or something halfway through the year, but it just doesn't need a whole new book. You've got to pay twenty five quid for. Just like make I, it a PDF download that says we have updated some battle tactics, some battle plans. Here they are for free. I think that's the difficulty that they're in. In that yeah. they have a product they want to sell. And I imagine they want to keep selling. Yeah. But I but, think, yeah. like, if you're a competitive player, you do need to buy the GHB. But I think increasingly, people I know who play casually are saying, mm. I'm not going to buy this GHB because if you're only playing like two games in a six month period, you don't need it anymore. Like, I wouldn't suggest to some, I've, I have just recommended to one of my friends, don't buy it. Because if they play a game, it's probably going to be against me and I've got it. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, we could just use the old GHB and it would be fine. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree on that. And I 
I think you're right in that the thing that competitive players want shaken up is battle plans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I also think that's the thing they're least likely to do as a free PDF. I think you're right, but I would like. I wish they would. Is my point? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I I would happily just stick with twelve battle plans for a year. To be honest, we did that with the previous set of GHBs. It was fine. Mm. Sometimes people like. You know, I think there's the occasional fan project when people go, here's some battle plans or readapt old ones or whatever, and that gives you something to mix it up with if you really want to. Mm-hmm. And, fund- you know, you can tweak battle plans, but they're all the same fundamental concepts where you're going to have some burn objective ones and some you get an extra point if you kill a unit ones yeah. and stuff. But I think so, some, you know. some no reserves. <laughs> Just through a nice cop. Yeah, I think... Yes, that's true to extent. I think, but that's so important to make AOS play right. Yeah, no, that's fair. Because if you get battle plan wrong, like another, another of the really bad ones this GHB was two that I did not think were very good at all. Rumstone Cash. And I like Rumstone Cash. Okay. The one with two objectives, because AOS is at its absolute worst when you just smash two armies into the middle of the yeah, board and roll. No, those. I think there are there are that encourages. too few yeah. scenarios with. A very small number of objectives this time. Yeah. I think that is a reasonable yeah. critique. Yeah. yeah I, do like find, the, I don't mind Rumstone I think having the odd one like that is okay. Because yeah. yeah. you know, if you're going to have some with eight objectives to penalise Gargans, you should have the odd mm. one that is, let's have a fight in the middle. I'm all right with <laughs> the odd one, though, not like three or four. Yeah, like, no, I agree. That's fine. I think maybe that's, I, but maybe that's why it feels bad for me this year is because there's too much... Yeah, I, I think I maybe feel... they got the balance of that bit wrong because yeah, I think you're that's right. that's why Galley and Silksteel felt so good is because yeah. they were the ones not making yeah. me do that. Yeah, no, I think okay. I would agree that this is a maybe a slightly weaker set of overall battle plans than we've had in the last one, but I think they're still perfectly fine. Like mm-hmm. if you want, if you're doing a five day a five game tournament, there is a decent amount to pick from. You're not going to play exactly the same in each tournament. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I've only played play like Head on Collision. Yes, I don't actually time. think Head on Collision is that bad a scenario. I think it's just it benefits some armies over others, but pretty much every scenario does to some extent. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Rich, what were you going to say? I think I've only played like half of the battle plans from this current season, which is a, a pain of the them being on six yeah. month rotation, I guess. But but like same, and I've played two events with it. Yeah, I think I have because... played most of them, but I maybe play slightly more. Casual games between events than you guys do. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it. Right. right. There you go. You got a little. You got a free GHB season one obituary. At the end of it. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> May you rest in piss. Cool. Any any final thoughts on on the event, or shall we wrap up? No, I've got no other events planned in the immediate future, so I don't really know what. I think I am at the mercy of whatever this next GHP turns into for yeah. what I'm going to run in the future. Are there going to be more events in Bristol? Is it going to be like a regular thing? Uh, one a year, probably, I would imagine. Uh, There'll be another okay. one at the same sort of time. So, November, yeah. Yeah. I might try I and go to the next one. Yeah, come like to a few events in London, so I feel like I should make <laughs> you an him. Yeah. Go the other <laughs> Easy enough for me to get to as well. So That's true. Yeah. Cool. Cool beans. Okay. Well, let's let's wrap up and go to bed then. Yay. <laughs> so 
Or what do we need to say? If you have enjoyed the podcast, please consider giving us a review on the Tiny Plastic People feed on whatever podcatcher you use. If you would like to tweet at us, you can find us on at 32AOS on Twitter. Should we be setting ourselves up accounts on like other social media? No, I absolutely. I'll do it when we die, but <laughs> I'm not doing it before. I'm not. It's too hard. It's we difficult. have to wait for Cardi B to move to another social media platform. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're, we're permanently linked now. So Yeah. The number of push notifications I now get on my phone about Cardi I B. actually went into our account settings and turned off push notifications because I noticed that as well. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh no. We'll try and maybe, I don't know if you've got many photos from your event. I'll tweet Matthew, some. We'll, I'll tweet some. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and tweet some sort of show notey stuff out as yeah. well. If you'd like to send us a question, you've got some burning AOS questions, you could do that at what's our email address? I can't remember. <laughs> Just send it to us on Twitter because I can't remember what our email address is. It'll be on the web zone. Yeah. Yeah. On the internet somewhere. If you'd like to find us individually, Matthew, can people find you individually? Can. They can. I am at Matthew CM Ward on the Twitter. And I am at 37 Visible Skulls on Instagram. Will I post on either? Maybe not. Uh, That is where I lie. How about you, Laura? I am scops947 on both Twitter and Instagram, but I post quite a lot more on Instagram, so go there if you want to see pictures of chaos people with red octopuses on their shields. It's a kraken, not an octopus. It is a kraken, Hold on. that is true. I'm sorry, it only has six legs, so it can't be an octopus. Low-tail army. And you can find me at Rich Nutter on Twitter. Or I think at RJ Nutter on Instagram. I tend to post more on Twitter than Instagram, but I haven't really been posting much on either recently. So great social media, maybe it is bad. <laughs> cool. Thanks very much for listening. We will be back in the new year. I'm broadly assuming that this episode is coming out before the new year. <laughs> um, Brave. But, yeah. Bold assumption given it's not the in timing, my hands. But... Yes, well, we'll be back soon, hopefully a short gap since our last episode, with more hot AOS thoughts, probably some general hand- general's handbook thoughts, I guess. So Probably. We'll see. Do you want to plug oh. your Goonhammer thing, Afi? If you want to read a long-form version of this, I've read about it as well, you can read it there, I guess. If you've listened to this, you probably don't need to do that. I'm going to go read it now. There you go. That's true. Uh, I, I didn't read it because I didn't want spoilers, so I will go and there read is, it now. There are some, there are some pictures there. Sweet. That helps. Nice. Yeah. I think I went into more of the specifics of like my thoughts on the army at the end. But and then somebody told me I was an idiot in the comments. So there you go. <laughs> the internet fame. Someone someone told me I was wrong, but then also in the same comment told me they don't play the island. So per- the perfect internet comment. Yeah. Yeah. Really showing your whole ass it just in one comment. You I bet that it. same person treats us now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, bring it. Bring Tweet it. away. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>